Hello, and welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Sox. I'm Lori Sox. And this episode is about all that annual stuff, IEPs, assessments that have to be taken care of each year. We thought we'd start by talking about what we would have liked to have known then. Whether it be at when we first started on this journey, or five years ago, or three years ago, or last week. Yeah, well, if I knew then nine years ago. Liam's going to be nine in two days, and so this is his birthday week. And, and we've been kind of going over the ritual of uh, nine years ago today, you we woke up with doing, a headache. Right. <laughs> nine years ago today, your we took your blood pressure. And we I was supposed to get a haircut. Went to the doctor's office, and then, yeah. hey, about this time nine years ago, uh, we were... We got the medicine, and you were really cold, and I was really hot. Yeah, so, so Liam was born two and a half months early, so we had a little surprise there. I think his due date was in uh, end of April. And, um, and we were supposed to pick the due date because it was going to be a, a cesarean. And we were right. having trouble choosing what day he would be born, remember? Yeah, well, we had no choice. <laughs> that's uh, Liam came, I think that's what as we... all babies do, when, when they come. So when he, was uh, he just ready. was early. And so we weren't real prepared for that. And then when we get the, uh, the diagnosis. Ten um, days later, though. Ten days later. Um, we we weren't prepared for uh, weren't that prepared either. For that either, and and even though we had some high risk tests saying that we you know we didn't go as far we had as the to same definitively test results ta- with telling Sophia though. Yeah, we who did. Is we a had typical child. Yes, with our eleven year old, we had uh, similar tests. So, but it wasn't really going to matter to us one way or the other with with the pregnancy. So we decided that we would just go with it and. It kind of took a back seat at first because Liam was so early. We were concerned with his health. Surviving. Um, yes, but it, it was impactful. And if I could go back and tell myself something or uh, if I knew then what I know now. First on the, what, what would you what would you discuss first? Just the Down syndrome? Like, uh, are you talking about 10 days later when oh, you got the diagnosis or just I, I, in the I was focusing or? on the Down syndrome. On the Down syndrome. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this isn't a, 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 a preemie podcast. <laughs> so, or the weather, I would say, bring an umbrella. It's right. going to rain. It was rainy. But Down syndrome wise, I would tell myself not to worry. That's easy to say, and I worry all the time. But uh, I worried a lot. I was concerned that I didn't have the boy that I thought I was going to have uh, or child. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to throw the ball with Liam and how, but catch. how much of that actually came from what you believed or what people told you well I think everything has to do with both of those things what what I believed was my experiences which were minimal so what people told me um without words really what I was told without words was that this was this was this was not good news um and the not words were all the tests and doctors and people. It was always a concern. You know, that was a Down syndrome was a major, major concern in prenatal testing. So with all the the testing, it's just a, a, a conclusion that you're going to have that hey, we wouldn't be testing for this if this was not a, a horrific a thing. thing. Yes. Right. And 
That was our, our the the reason why I left my OBGYN was because she said, "Well, this is so we can be prepared." We That's meaning correct. her. Yeah. Their need to know was more than our need to know. But also, she, I was led to believe that we need to be we need to be prepared for this, and more I don't think anything child. would prepare you. Yes, but I understand yeah. we did not we do not. Uh, deal with the health issues that some people absolutely do deal with and so maybe that's a preparedness that people would want but i don't think that uh a, a baby born with down syndrome uh, i don't think you need a, a i don't know I, i'm actually i'm not educated on this so i don't know if you need a team of heart surgeons and stuff i think you would have found that though in the in the embryo with uh, in the womb with other tests besides a Down syndrome test. I think you would have found that there you was some heart issues or, or it would have happened. And I don't think they would have prepared a team because he has Down syndrome and we would have been prepared f- for the physical or health, possible health problems. So, but all these tests leads your psyche to believe that this is a, not a, really not a good thing. So I was devastated. I, I remember a main thing was the throwing the ball thing. That's really weird. That I was like, and he's gonna... got a great. I mean, oh, his Liam first throw OT the ball. was yeah. was an actual. <laughs> that was, not... was on the farm with the farm team. It's not a question, but I don't know why that was important to me or or what I had envisioned would be uh, uh, criteria for for that. I mean, I could have a typical kid, typical kid that wasn't athletic. I mean, he that can't wasn't. Throw. <laughs> <laughs> no, but <clears throat> I can't seriously, um, I, you know, <clears throat> the things that you concern yourself about. Um, are just kind of what you're what you're projecting your mind to be, what you want your child to be, and they, you don't you don't know that with any of your children, and you don't you don't know really what you are gonna have as an experience until it's happening. So, I think there's a leisure though with a typical child where people say, "Don't compare your children, don't do this." Your child is all of these possibilities are there when it's a typical birth, a typ- typical child. I think there's possibility. I think that what we experienced at 10 days old, although Liam had been in the NICU for 10 days, he had survived a lot of the initial challenges of just even being born and the impact of being born at 30 weeks, right? That's true. I mean, he was born early, and he did not have – he had gone through a lot of challenges then, and – with the diagnosis of Down syndrome, it seemed like it could have compounded things. It took away, I think, from the view of how well he was doing and his strength and changed the view to uh, just a dismal uh, limits and a sadness was what was given to us. But yeah. I would say going back to what we want to say is if I, if we knew then what we know now, I would say breathe. Mm-hmm. Don't listen to anybody. Honestly, you can do your research and and be in your moments that are real and right before you. Because even with the challenges, even with the things that are hard, even with uh, the health issues and those those, y- you still want to be present for that. And you have this lovely, beautiful child, and to have the gift to be present. And to be able to focus on that beautiful life, you know, I would, I, I think I would say the same thing. Like, don't, yeah. 
Don't worry. It can be hard to get perspective when it's these so things hard. Hit and you. I think that was that's it. It's like I, I would want to offer some lightness, some the same piece, whether it be your second child, if it's your first child. I think if it's your first child, it's a little bit challenging because you don't know the experience from before. But uh, just to to have the joy of this new life, and every life comes with worries and heaviness and just with the down syndrome, it was written on a list of everything that we should worry about. So I think that if I could, I I think we did a good job actually of isolating, (laughs) to be honest, but uh, there was that weight and heaviness and worry at first. We we did a good job isolating us. Like we were together with Sophia and Liam and every day at the NICU and we split the shifts and I think the NICU gave us perspective that we might not have had. If he wasn't fighting for his life, we might have focused more on the diagnosis and what the challenges were. But it was kind of like, all right, we'll deal with that later. What do we need to do day by day? And I think that looking back, that was a blessing because we were present in the moment and each milestone, each accomplishment was celebrated. Remember, I remember being in the elevator going up to the NICU and I had a cake or cookies or chocolate eclair or something. And I think we celebrated, I don't know if we did weekly or daily, but I thought um, we did weekly. Yeah. We did weekly. Mm-hmm. And every week we would celebrate. That was his one week birthday, mm-hmm. two week. And I remember somebody in the elevator saying like three weeks or 21, that's not a birthday. That's not a celebration. And I just, I didn't have to prove that person wrong. It kind of broke my heart because uh, it is a celebration. And at that point, I think it hurt my heart because I was like, I have to celebrate every moment. Now, nine years later, for other reasons, I'm saying, man, celebrate every moment. But honestly, I can say in hindsight, I mean, there are there are a few people who are, I, get, I don't even know if there are a few people who would say, maybe there is one or two people who said hurtful things intentionally just to be turkeys. But most people are just striving for a way to... Uh, navigate the situation themselves. And, you know, some people are going to come to you with, oh, my best friend's brother's neighbor, or I knew a kid growing up. And sometimes at the very beginning, those stories, they, they hurt, or they're like, you don't understand the point of them. And I think the point is, the people are trying to connect, and they're trying to comfort, but they don't know how. And I think the real topic on that subject is just because there's not knowledge and there is ignorance and there is this negative overall look and feeling about Down syndrome. I mean, there's a picture that's painted and there's uh, stereotypes that are propagated. Hmm? Like negative for the parents and for the child, almost like in a, a bit of a pity way, but not negative for the goodness of the of the person with down syndrome you know that's one thing down syndrome has is a a happy positive air to it people are attracted sometimes to for as much as there's a happy positive persona there's also a limited yes negative yes box Mm -hmm. with the uh like a Part, the second part of this topic today is about IEPs and it's about, you know, Liam's resource teacher at eight years old is concerned that he can't say 24. So when he catches the 248 bus, he can say 248. There is that negative. She had already thought of him 
taking, taking a, a bus, bus downtown to work. And my question is, at eight, shouldn't you so be teaching stop. him instead of yeah. wondering? Thinking of when he's do you think at eight seventeen? Old, yeah, or 18, at eight years old, twenty is he years really old, really going to catch a bus by himself? Right. No, but she's taking him out of the the possibility <laughs> of she's driving him in that stereotype. And right. really, when he's eighteen, his the cars are going to drive themselves. So oh, that's good, right? Yeah, you know. So I think what uh, I hope I didn't cut you off. No. I... I think what you it does is it, what it takes away. I, yeah, it's positive because you were saying a negative feeling. I think it's negative for the ex, what we're going to experience, like the outside. I don't want to hear people, when my I son is this. is fighting for his life and that I have all this unknown. Those are such happy people. That landed so hard on me because mm-hmm. them and those, I'm, I mean, that's a number one no-no. What feels like was taken away, like people go, oh, you you mourn the lost child that you thought you were going to have, is what I hear all the time, and maybe oh. people hear this. Um, I didn't know I the child feel, I was going to have, though. <laughs> right. But <laughs> what I feel I mourned was the feeling that now this child I had and my relationship with the child and our family dichotomy with the child was already automatically stamped and predestined. Right. And there were these boundaries, these really tight tight hard walls that that caused a tunnel when you looked at what his life was going to be and tunnels are dark and it's a dark outlook to say here's your child here's limitations from day 10 because before the diagnosis it was all about hope limitless he's going to survive and i mean all of these great things and i mean we've had 45 presidents how many people go hey might become president one day, right? That's not that's not something that was never that's told. said to us. Those expectations, even if pre- <laughs> whatever <laughs> we think presidencies are good or bad, but being a CEO of a company, uh, and is there something are that people with Down syndrome be, who are CEOs of their own companies. I get it, but that's that's not what we were. No, no, but I'm saying yes. that there are now. Yeah, I'm not fighting. I'm saying there's not a limitation, right? But what's presented to exactly. us at, in, uh, nine years ago was this tunnel of limitations, and there's your path. Yeah. That's your path. And you poor thing. Not, hey, your child was born 10 weeks early and survived, congratulations. Yeah. You have a life that, like every other life, is without limit. I completely acknowledge that Down syndrome comes with some health issues that we didn't experience. We experienced some, but not like Mm -hmm. the, you know, there are some other ones that we didn't experience. Mm -hmm. And even with that, there, you know, there's there was still that. That to me was the the most important was his health. That is honestly, when I was pregnant, that's what I always uh, prayed for: is like just have a healthy baby, let him be healthy. Um, I didn't think about Down syndrome. I just wanted him healthy. And always acknowledging that there are certain challenges that we didn't have, and always acknowledging that there's no judgment on anything. We don't, that's, that's one thing. There's, and even know. though there were no health issues right away, what everybody forecasts is cognitive delay. And that reflects on intelligence, which reflects in school. And from day 10, you're now looking at what's his school life going to be for the rest of his life. And I would say if I knew then to just be open mm-hmm. and don't smile. <laughs> don't smile? No, smile. Oh, yes. But don't uh, 
if you you don't have to smile even you can you don't have to listen to what anybody else forecasts for your child because the most impact that will be given to your child is you and you have the ability to we've and that's the second part of this is the IEP and the education but we've been fighting to keep Liam on curriculum since he was I don't know three years old we had to fight to keep him in a classroom at three years old (laughs) we had we had to send him to preschool and we had to fight to not have it be a special day class and we had to fight to get him into a class with his peers and we had to fight and we continue to fight just to keep him on curriculum well that's the dichotomy we're talking right we're talking uh birthday iep because in the state of california yeah school starts for a child with a disability at three so that they can and they and their services are provided through the school system right right so you prepare to have some services that you can get. But it's not really an education. It was we had to fight to actually have them educated. It was we want to put them in a special day class. Exactly. In an inappropriate setting. And those settings are dictated by meetings you have with groups called IEPs, at least, and I believe that's nationwide. But So if I knew then, I would say educate yourself on what an IEP is, hire a lawyer, and fight for what you want. Now, you might want something. That you might want well, the special what day you class. Want decide first. what you want mm-hmm. and then fight for that. Yes. And honestly, you might want a special day class. And you might not want your child on curriculum. Yes. And that is your choice as a mm-hmm. parent, but it's your choice. But that, to go back to the dichotomy right. is because it starts at three, right. there's a birth date. Yeah. That IEP happens then. And basically, for the rest of school life. You're, you're fighting. Around, While you're trying to buy balloons time. and decide what kind of cake right, to get. Right, around birthdays. You're trying, you're, maybe okay. it's, we, Liam picked Angry Birds cake this year. Maybe he just mm, picked up on everything. Yeah. Uh, well, that's one thing. Don't be angry. You know what? But you can be angry. I, I would say, if I knew then, feel all your emotions and then go forward. Because anger doesn't change anything. What changes things is education Uh, knowing your rights and standing for what you want. And what has always frustrated me is that it's exhausting sometimes. It is to constantly be fighting. And it shouldn't be fight. It should be a team. It should be this child. And how can we help him to be a difference and make a difference? How can we break those stereotypes? How can we educate this child? How can we... He learns differently. How can we teach him differently to lift him up, to access his uh, curriculum so that he can show us who he's going to be, just like every other child? And to be Uh, fair, that may be something that's easier for a lot of people. But but in our experience and people I've talked to, it's hard. It's, it's a fight. It's a and fight. It's a fr- and it's, it shouldn't and I think be. The, I think the, the, uh, all the it, conversations that I have with different parents, and not all parents with children with Down syndrome but different disabilities, is that it shouldn't be a fight. And there's the frustration that it is a fight, that you have to work so hard, that people lie to you, that they violate your civil rights, that they put limits on your child, and that you have to work so hard. I would rather donate my money to the school to buy new computers than to spend the money I've spent on lawyers. And even if you spend money on an attorney, you you have to educate yourself you as well because you're not having an attorney with you in every aspect of no. 
I mean, and just I like we discussed, are... and honestly, today I wrapped presents for Liam's birthday, which was fun and going through all of the things that he loves, and also had to pen a letter to the school because of their violations and how they took something that was supposed to be uh, a small task to implement something and tried to just railroad you mm-hmm. in a it, it was all wrong it was wrong it was it was inappropriate sneaky it was sneaky it was deceitful it was uh that with on their agenda to take our son off curriculum so that was one day that was a one day i felt complete anger and frustration and on the same note i felt joy and celebration of my child when I told Liam, well, you can't come in. I'm wrapping your birthday gifts. And he was like, oh, and oh he, he was, was so excited. He, he was excited. Right. So yeah. I think that's the dichotomy of this annual thing that you experience. So if I if I knew then I would say keep it in perspective. Because I think what we discussed tonight was we have more say in his life than what the educators have six hours a day five days a week however many months a year we have the say we have the ability we have podcasts we have education we have so many things that by far surpass the public school system and and it's unfortunate that we have to have that conversation but honestly the education that Sophia and Liam get are not equal nor the opportunities and I think that needs to be addressed Uh, I would I hope that it's not how it is everywhere. Uh, our experience is definitely all we can speak from, but their education opportunities are not equal. The way they are seen is not equal. Uh, and the public school system is supposed to be uh, able to handle this, able to handle some extra work with some of their students. They should be prepared and legally they need to be prepared to support him to support people in the community um and i would also say that you you know the truth is sophia had uh, challenges with her education but she was allotted the time and the leisure and not the pressure to find her way on her own and she still struggles with math and she's in the sixth grade but she's not threatened to lose her opportunity to have a diploma because she struggles in math. It's kind of like she'll get it. But like you told me earlier today before the podcast, to keep it in perspective, Liam's going to learn what he learns at school, and he's going to learn a lot at home, just like Sophia does. And at the end of the day, we want him to be treated fairly. We, we want him to be happy. We want him to be set up for success. But what can really grieve you is the people that are supposed to be doing those things aren't and are not capable of doing them. I don't even know if they're not ca- They choose not to. They're not capable due to their own limitations. I, I, I don't think they are prepared to do it. It's unfortunate that as a society we haven't learned that instead of turning around after we've been put in a box, instead of taking that experience and keeping people out of a box that the turnaround is to put other people in boxes and I think that's that's unfortunate but in like 
in, in perspective, my own personal perspective is I can get mad as hell. I can scream. I can think mean thoughts, which isn't really in my, uh, my makeup. It doesn't make me feel good to feel that way. It doesn't make me feel good to feel the things that I feel towards the public school system, towards the APIS at my son's school, towards uh, the school district. It shouldn't be what you're dealing with when you're dealing with trying to educate your child who has a challenge or a disability or whatever it is who just learns differently. And if the effort is made, we can find the way that to around it and to teach and to educate. We've taught Liam to read. Liam knows how to do math. Uh, he knows how to spell. We uh, teach him how to write. His writing has improved 100%. Mm -hmm. But instead of focusing on that, it's like, you know, it'd be so much easier if you just let us take him off curriculum and then to comment on our personal lives and tell us we'd be so much happier and less stressed, which the thing that would bring me less stress is if they would just support my child. So what's something that you would say to someone with an upcoming IEP? I would say keep it in perspective. Eke out the time that you want to fully 100% be present in whatever your goals of for that IEP are. Get the support that you need. Um, accept that things might not go the way you want them to go. Uh, and there will be challenges and people are going to say mean things and do mean things and things that don't make sense and things that are out of your control. And there's that feeling of helplessness that can come with an IEP because you're there and it should just be education, but it's so much more. And that feeling of helplessness, you're not helpless because the truth is you have more of a say in your child's life than they do. And especially with technology, especially with everything that's out there, you just know this, you have an impact more than they, just more than they do, period. I mean, think about your education. Think about what you went through. Think about that teacher that said things and you were just like, I'm not going to listen to her, but you're still educated. So you've, you, you find what was passionate for you. You studied. You became what you wanted to be. There's, there's no difference whether your child has Down syndrome or doesn't. Your child has those same opportunities right there and even more so now with technology, with all the things that are out there. Uh, so I would tell you, um, you're going to be there, be present, be educated, be aware, read everything, underline, question, know what you want, go in there with lists, um, arm yourself with videos uh, of, of what your child can do, do all of that stuff. And at the end of the day, be able to walk away and be able to still celebrate the life that is your child. And don't let whatever negativity and hard, horrible things that happen in those meetings or the feelings that come up with the annual everythings, don't let those seep into the celebration of your child and their life and the joy they bring and their abilities and who they are. Don't be robbed of any of that, you know, celebrate just as, as much or even more so. It's easy to say, don't fear. I mean, that would be something you could take in every aspect of your life, typical or not. It's easy to say that, but it's true. When you look back at the last nine years, 
I, I see that. What were you afraid of? Once he lived, what were you afraid of? One aspect was I was afraid of not being a proper advocate for him. Were you really? To be his voice. And so that's very important. And fear drives that sometimes. Knowing that that I don't want these years to go by and he wasn't able to defend himself in certain situations and and I didn't. I think Sophia feels that sometimes too as a sister. Yeah. Um but that's I think okay we, because we choose that, our battles though. I think we have to choose You do choose your battles, but I think that's we're an advocate for each other. Mm-hmm. For all all members of our family. So right. that's healthy. I think I was also But I get that bit, when you say you're afraid that you didn't advocate enough because in at the end of the IP you've you fought and you've kept him on curriculum, but he still doesn't have the support he needs. And at some point, you just have to, like, you choose your battle. And you, I, I think what I've, did I do wrong? I've it's always only like weeks said, or it later. feels like you just got out of a, a car dealership with your vehicle, and you go, I think I got a good deal, and you're and you're driving off, going, the salesman might be just chuckling right now, <laughs> as I drive off. Yeah. Um, you you never really know, you know. There's some doubts there, but you just do you do your best. But yes, I I believe that there is that that part of and we did easy. it, but I don't I don't know did I do it? I mean, it's really as charted as it is, and how much there has been uh, that set up where we are now. Uh, so many laws and years of of, of children with disabilities, especially Down syndrome, being put being put into institutions. Oh, the institutionalized uh, institutionalization from, from there to now. That was just normal. You you got your baby, and they said. Even though know. all that's yeah. happened, I mean that's a big, big fight there that we don't have to deal with. But that's no. a, that's that's generations of people fighting to have that stop. Even though those path that path's been cleared for us, and and there will be more paths to clear. You still wonder if you did enough, and if you've really given your child all the opportunities and you can feel that with every with your child. typical child as well yeah. it's just things seem to be amplified with a child with a disability and i keep saying child with disability although i think maybe most people will be listening to this podcast will have experience with down syndrome but i think across the board children with disabilities uh have similar uh, struggles and, and 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 parents could feel the same right the same intense uh microscopic kind of uh judgment that you can feel absolutely as I think a parent so. i um, think that's because because the parents that i speak to for the most part we have a small community that we know other parents of children with down syndrome we have a bigger community of parents of children who have ieps who have different challenges whether it be autism or dyslexia or ADD or ADHD and I think and I think that the common thread in that is we all have the same feelings that you're fighting that you're not being told the truth that they're not forthright that you have to fight so hard for the support that they're trying to put your child in a box and I think those are the common thread and although this this podcast is meant if I knew then and to put out there for we if we knew that if we knew that <laughs> uh, it's put out there for parents of children 
on the same path as us. I think a part of that path is and any any child and any parent with any it's actually any child because the truth is the difference between Sophia and Liam is not that big. And I think that that would be the other thing is if if we knew then or if I knew then. Really, if I look at both of my children, it, it's the same journey of guiding this life and loving this person and giving them a foundation and taking care of them and providing for them. That is at the core of it. And we want to laugh with our children and we want to teach our children and we want to support our children and we want to give them tools for their life and what what tools that we believe in. And every family has different tools. Every family has different uh, things they believe in and, and things that are important to them. And And that, I would tell you, is that this child is your child. And you are their parent and you have the power to influence their lives more than any of these externals, um, preconceived judgments from others, the school system and the limits that are, are put on our children. Uh, you have the power, you have the power to influence them, to lift them, to guide them and to fill their lives. Yeah. And our wish is that we're there with you a little bit of the way possibly. to help, to help you. Yeah to support you, just to be there, to have a shared commonality, to, you know, to know that you're not alone. And it's not crazy to believe and, and wish for the moon. It's not, it's, it's, that is not unreasonable. I, I believe that we believe for great things and that should be no different just because our children have an extra chromosome. It may change the challenges that we meet every day. It may change our strength. I know it changes my strength. I know it changed my compassion. All those things that it changed in me were definitely for the best. But these are our kids, and we have that power in their life to lift them up and to open up that horizon and all that potential that is in them and support them just like we want to support you. That's right. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod, and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod, or visit our website, ifweknewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. Amazon.